0: I am cocky in prediction. I am confident in preparation, but I am always humble in victory or defeat.
1: Welcome back to the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast. World, we missed you. We miss you so much. It's been so long since we've been able to give you any information on making money. And I'm talking about sports betting because this is the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast brought to you by the TheBulldogInquire.com. My name is Brendan Kerner. I'm alongside Jackson Dyer and Henry Dombrowski for this third season. Second season was kind of a little short. Rona hit it, and we only got one uh, one episode in for the basketball bets, but we're back to college football, baby. We're going to go ahead and get right into how everybody's how, how's everybody been doing. Like, you know, I've been out here struggling without college football, and it's finally back. Texas and the Longhorns might not be back, but college football is, and by golly, I'm about to make some money off of it. Jackson Dyer, Henry Dombrowski, how are y'all doing today? It's
2: been a long couple of months without college football, and I am starving to watch games again, been on the couch all day, and I am ready to get rich.
0: Yeah, it's going pretty well. Uh, I think last week was the first week. I know college football's been on for a couple weeks now, but last week was the first week it felt normal, and we still only had three conferences really playing. But having the SEC back was great. Uh, I love the CBS 3:30 game. It was a great game, LSU and Mississippi State. And just hearing that music and being able to sit there at the middle of the day, nothing else going on, just felt right. And boys, we actually
1: we actually made some bets last week. Just to give you all a little recap, we didn't come at y'all on air live. Whether you're listening to uh, to this podcast on Spotify or if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts or any other platform. But we actually had uh, some picks last week, and just to give you a little rundown, I went three and one, and everybody else, including Nick Frias, who is not here today, went three and two. Um, my only miss was the upset I had West Virginia beating Oklahoma State. That was not the case. And the reason I'm three and one and not three and two is because or four in one is because Georgia State had some uh, coronavirus complications. They did not end up playing. So I could not have them beating Charlotte by three points or more last week. But my lock, Alabama-Missouri covered the over. UAB absolutely destroyed South Alabama. Their spread was uh, just that they were touchdown underdogs, and they won by 40-something points, I'm pretty sure. And then Florida covered the 14-point spread by a point uh, or a – was it a point or two? Uh, I can't remember. It was – 51, 35, 36, whatever. Anyways, they covered and I only lost the upset, which is always a hard pick to get every week. But we're going to go ahead and jump into the second segment. I'm glad everybody's doing fine. Hope hope everybody out there is doing doing all right as well. And hopefully you are ready to make some money jumping into the second segment. We're going to go ahead and give you all of the spreads and the over-unders for this week's game. Stay tuned. back to the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast, brought to you by the TheBulldogInquire.com. We are here in the second segment of the third season. We're finally, we're, Trois, that's French. Trace, that's Spanish. We're worldwide. We're going global with the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast. And let's just go ahead and break down every single game we can bet on this week. And we're going to go ahead and start it off. We got the Friday night game this week. Louisiana Tech is playing at BYU. BYU is 24 point favorites in that game with the over under being 56 points. And to start the slate of the games on Saturday, October 3rd this year, Arkansas State is traveling to Coastal Carolina where the Coastal Carolina team is three and a half point underdogs at home with the over under being 65 and points. ECU and the Purple Pirates travel to Atlanta to play the Georgia State Panthers, where the Panthers are a two and a half point favorite in that game over under sitting at a solid 69 points over in the SEC. We at Missouri and the Tigers going to play at Neyland Stadium. Tennessee and the Volunteers are 11 and a half point favorites in that game with the over under being a low 48 and a half points. NC State and the Wolfpack are traveling up to Pittsburgh, where they're going to play the Panthers, that are two touchdown favorites in that game, over under sitting at another measly 48 points. Over the Big 12, TCU is taking on the Texas Longhorns, who unfortunately are not back, but we'll get into that later. Longhorns are 13-point favorites in this game against the, the Horn Frogs, and the over-under is sitting at a 61-point margin. Baylor is playing West Virginia at West Virginia this week, and the Mountaineers are three-point dogs at home with the over-under for that game sitting at 53.5 points. South Carolina in the Game Cox are going to Gainesville, Florida this week, where the number three ranked National Florida Gators are 18.5 point favorites in this game, over-under sitting at 59 points. Texas of San Antonio, not the Longhorns, but they might as well be just as bad, are 20 and point underdogs while they go travel over to UAB. And the Blazers lit up South Alabama last week, and they're going to look to do it again with that 20.5-point margin in their favor. Over-under for that game is 54.5 points. Number 25, Memphis, is traveling over to SMU, with the Tigers being three-point favorites in that game and over-under whopping 74.5 points. Look for that one to be a shootout. Over back in the ACC, North Carolina, the Tar Heels, who are number 12 in the nation, travel over to Boston College, where the Eagles are... uh, Two, two touchdown underdog, but that might be a closer game than some may realize. Over-under for that game is sitting at 55 points. Oklahoma State and the Cowboys are traveling over to Kansas, where the Jayhawks are 21-point dogs in that game at home. Over-under for that game at 53.5 points. South Florida, Cincinnati, the game's going to be in Cincy this week, and half point favorites for the Bearcats in that one. Over-under sitting at 45.5 points. Texas a the Aggies, who are 13th in the nation, travel over to Alabama. The Crimson Tide are number two in the nation right now, only sitting behind Clemson. And the Crimson Tide are 17-point favorites in this game, with the over/under being 52 and a half points. Texas Tech and the Red Raiders are traveling over to Kansas State this week, where the Wildcats are coming off a big win against Oklahoma. And the Wildcats are going to be two-point favorites in this game. That's going to be a close one. Look for that one later. Over/under for that one sitting at 63 and a half points. Charlotte and Florida Atlantic are playing at Florida Atlantic this week, where the Owls are a touchdown favorite in that game at home. And the over-under for that is going to be 59 points even. Ole Miss, after last week's decently all-right offensive performance against the Florida Gators, where they put up 35, 36 points, that's going to be needed again against the Kentucky Wildcats, where the Wildcats are at home this week, and they are a touchdown favorite in this game. Over-under is 61.5 points. Virginia Tech and the Hokies look to take on Jackson Dyer's Duke Blue Devils. And the Blue Devils, even though they're at home right now, 10.5-point dogs in that game, over-under sitting at 53.5. Western Kentucky and the Hilltoppers, they're favored by a touchdown against Middle Tennessee State with the game being at Middle Tennessee State, over-under for that game being 51 points. Navy and Air Force are playing this week, but unfortunately, since we're recording this Monday, September twenty eighth, we have no line or spread or over-under. So. I'm gonna go ahead and take Air Force. I got a buddy from college there. Yep, go Air Force. I don't know what they're doing, but take Air Force. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. We got LSU, number 20th in the nation after losing to Mississippi State last week. Traveling over to Vanderbilt, where the Commodores are 20 and a half point underdogs in that game, over under sitting at 48 and a half points. Georgia Southern coming off of a heartbreak loss to a Louisiana team by a 54 yard field goal last week takes on another Louisiana team. But ULM Monroe is not as good as Lafayette was. Monroe is 20 point dogs in this game to the Eagles of Georgia Southern. And the over under for that game is going to be 47 and a half points. Oklahoma and the Sooners, number 18th in the nation after losing to K State last week, Our touchdown favorites away at Iowa State's Field, with the over under being 62 points even. Tulsa and UCF, once again, 2017 national champions, they are favored 21 and a half points as the 11th best team in the nation right now. Over under for that game, a whopping 70 and a half points. Arkansas and the Razorbacks are heading over to Mississippi State this week, where the Mississippi State Bulldogs are 16th in the nation, favored by 18 points, and the over/under is sitting at 68 and a half. The game of the week, College Game Days game of the week, Auburn, who is number seven in the nation, Bo Nix, Stetson Bennett. I've always wanted to see two short white guys play against each other in the SEC at quarterback. Oh man, Sanford Stadium is going to be rocking and popping with the 23,000 in attendance. The Bulldogs are a touchdown favorite in that game with the over-under being at a measly 45 points flat. Southern Miss and the Golden Eagles are one-point dogs against North Texas and the Mean Green Eagles over-under for that game, 72.5 points. Troy against South Alabama in the little home home state rivalry right there. South Alabama is the home team. And they're also five-and-a-half-point dogs with the over-under being 61 points. And the last game on the docket is Clemson. The number one team in the nation right now are four touchdown favorites at home against the Virginia Cavaliers, baby. That's not going to be close. Over-under for that game is going to be 54-and-a-half points. And if you were wondering, yes, I'm out of breath. That was 35 college football games you can potentially make money on this week. And we're about to slide real nicely in this, into this Section 3. Segment three, three, you know what? Twa, trace, just like the season. Oh my gosh, it's the season to make some money. Stay tuned, come back, listen to these picks. We're out of here for the half, first half of the Rushmore Sports Bank podcast brought to you by the Bulldog Inquirer. Welcome back to the third segment of the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast brought to you by the TheBulldogInquirer.com. If you have not been listening the whole time and have skipped ahead to hear the picks, I am Brennan Krenner alongside Henry Dombrowski and Jackson Dyer. Nick Frias, a usual culprit of the fourth uh, co-host of the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast, is absent right now. He is taking the LSAT soon, and he is doing all the setting he can before that hits. So good luck, Mr. Frias. On that, if you're listening, when you're listening, because you better be listening. But we're going to go ahead and jump into it. If you don't know, this third segment is the Rushmore Picks of the Week. We go down and each co-host will give you a lock, an upset, and three games we think you should bet on. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. This week, my lock is going to be oklahoma absolutely crushing the spread that's only seven points against an Iowa State team that has been very underwhelming this year many of them thought they were going to win the Big 12 not so fast like my boy Lee Corso Lincoln Riley has never lost back-to-back games and he's also never lost two games in the regular season in Oklahoma nope not happening I don't even have to go into any other statistics Spencer Rattler had a bad game last week. He's going to ball this week. It's not even going to be a contest. Oklahoma and the Sooners are going to be back up by three or four touchdowns against this Iowa State Cyclone team. That's my lock. Go ahead, Jackson Dyer. Let's hear yours. Uh, my
0: lock is Missouri plus 11.5 versus Tennessee. I don't get what the oddsmakers see in Tennessee. Uh, they beat a bad South Carolina team last week at the very end of the game. I was like, yeah, wait, 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 like three points. Yeah, they made it. It was a, one of the worst coaching decisions I've ever seen by Muschamp. when there's about three minutes left and he elects to kick the field goal uh, when he needed a touchdown. Never got the ball back. Tennessee ran, ran the clock out except for a punt, which got muffed right at the end of the game. Just a terrible finish to what was a fun game between two teams that I don't think are very good at all. I'm not sure how good Missouri is. They looked okay against Alabama, all things considered. But the 11 and a half points. Give them to Tennessee is just crazy. If you want to run a heist on Vegas, don't rob a casino. Hit the
2: over on every Big 12 game this season. It's going to happen. The offense is great. The defense is terrible. It's easy money. It's simple math, okay? Texas versus TCU. The over is at 61 points. Hammer the over every time. Texas balled out offensively last week in a shootout. They were down 15 points in the fourth quarter, and Sam Ellinger pulled off some late-game heroics, threw five touchdowns, and they won the game. Again, TCU may put up points on Texas' defense because they're terrible, and that's going to mean that Sam Ellinger is going to have to stay in the game, keep throwing touchdowns, and the over is easily going to hit 61 points. Tom Herman has a great offense and a bad defense. Take that game. Also, if you want to make some extra money, pick Sam Ellinger at plus 1,033 to win the Heisman. Pay some college football. Not so fast, Henry Dombrowski. 10 touchdowns. Not 2-8.
1: so fast. We can definitely take the over. I agree. But you're talking like Texas is going to run away with this game, and I say not so fast. The Horned Frogs, that's my upset of the week. TCU is going to go into Texas and beat the Longhorns because the Longhorns are not back. And let me tell you why. TCU has a better turnover ratio than the Longhorns. And guess what? They not only ran 91 plays and had 500 yards in the only game they've played all season, but they didn't have to go to overtime to do that. Texas had to do that against Texas Tech, a measly Texas Tech team that's always middle of the Big 12, which isn't the best conference already. That's going to be my upset as we start the upset round. Henry, do you want to go ahead and give me your upset, or do you want to you
2: rebuttal my statement? I'll rebuttal your statement. I think Texas is winning the game seven points, seven points, I also considered taking Texas to cover that spread. I think I really buy what's going on offensively there. And I don't think TCU has enough going on to beat Texas, who's a good football team. That said, I didn't feel confident enough to take the spread on that game. Thus, I picked the over. And you can lock that in like a chastity belt, throw away the key. It's happening. But I agree. It could could possibly be a game. I just feel a lot more confident in that over than I would taking the spread.
1: All right. So if you feel confident in that game, do you feel confident in your upset
2: this week, Henry? I do not. Every upset across the board (laughs) looked bad. My upset of the week is that no upsets happen, (laughs) but my upset, if any were to happen, I agree with Jackson. I liked his lock. I think that Tennessee is a very bad football team. They look bad against South Carolina. Tennessee doesn't have a whole lot going on offensively. I think that if Missouri can run the ball, which they struggled to do in week one, they have a shot at upsetting Tennessee. I'm not saying I buy Missouri. I just don't buy Tennessee. I think Sean Robinson also looked really efficient in week one. Uh, Another great football name, Larry Roundtree. We'll see if he can tote the rock and put up some yards. And if he can,
0: they can win this football game. All right, Jackson Dyer, who's your upset of the week? Uh, like Henry just said, I didn't like the upsets this week. Uh, there weren't a lot of good ones that I could see that I really felt strongly about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little peek into smart betting 101. I'm taking Middle Tennessee, who are seven-point dogs against Western Kentucky. Take the money line. These teams are 0-2 and 0-3. And and They're both not very good. So when the line is this wonky, you've got to take the other team. And sprinkle some cash on it and hope the money line hits. And so that's what I'm doing. My upset this week. All righty. Locks upsets out the way. Now we're gonna get into the three
1: games we think you should bet on and make some money off of this week. I'm gonna go ahead and go first. I got an in-state rivalry game. Troy at South Alabama. Troy is favored by five and a half points in that game, and I'm gonna go ahead and say hammer Troy. And let me tell you why. Troy is averaging 338 yards on offense, which is not too good, but not too bad. The worst part about that is is South Alabama is giving up 437 yards per game. They're already not good. Like like Jackson Dyer said, they're both not good teams. The spread is so close where you got to pick one team over the other. And I think Troy gets it done late because South Alabama – in the two or three games they've played all year have only scored nine points in the fourth quarter. Troy over that easy money. Go ahead and hammer Troy in this game. They're winning by more than five and a half points. The next game I'm going to take is Texas tech at Kansas state, Texas tech and the red Raiders are two point dogs in this game. I'm going to go ahead and tell you hammer, Texas tech, Jackson Dyer may disagree, but let me tell you why the red Raiders are going to pull this one off and Probably went out right, but if they don't, they're going to lose by one point maybe and cover that two-point spread still. Texas Tech scores 10 more points per game than Kansas State does. Texas Tech is more disciplined. They have less penalties for less yardage, and they have less turnovers than the Kansas State team does. Texas Tech has a better quarterback. He's thrown for, I think, two or 300 more yards than the Kansas State quarterback has and Kansas State beat Oklahoma last week. There's absolutely no way Texas Tech lets an overtime loss define their season. And I think Kansas State's going to be riding that high a little too hard. Go ahead and take the Red Raiders in this game plus two. And then the last game I'm going to tell you to bet on is ECU and the Purple Pirates at Georgia State. That game has the over-under set at 69 points. Now, granted, that's a very nice number. But both teams have not scored more than 31 points all season. Georgia State has played one game and they scored 31 points in that. Eastern Carolina scored 28 points in their only game they've played. That's just, even if you add those up, you know, you're not even hitting 60. So I'm going to go ahead and safely say they're not going to both combine to score 69 points if they haven't hit the threshold of 35 per team all year. Also, ECU is very undisciplined. 11 penalties for 105 yards in their first game. That's not going to move the ball to score points. And Georgia State hasn't even thrown for over 200 yards yet with the – I mean, that's not good either, but ECU has only passed for – the in their one game, they only passed for 215 yards. So I just don't think these offenses are talented enough to overcome the decent defenses that both teams have. I'm going to go ahead and say hammer the under of 69 points – for the Purple Pirates of ECU against the Georgia State Panthers in Atlanta. Jackson Dyer, give me some
0: money talking. I would never root against my co-host on this fine podcast. But however, Brendan's pick is very wrong. The Texas Tech pick, crazy. You got to get the other side. That's an easy two-point spread for Kansas State. Uh, They start off the year and they lost to Arkansas State and then had the big win last week. So I don't think that they'll be riding too high based on their, week, their first week loss. I think they'll be very grounded. And I think Chris Kleiman's a great coach. I think he's going to have them ready to play. I think they're going to be a force in the Big 12 for years to come. I also don't know how you can look at Texas Tech and try to see them finish a game. They barely won against Houston Baptist, who has like only half the stands in the stadium. And then last week they were up by two touchdowns on Texas and managed to lose. I don't know how you can pick a team like that over a Chris Kleiman-led team. I take Kansas State minus two. For my next pick, I'm going with the real Gamecocks, the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State. They're I'm taking them plus 26 and a half against Florida State. Let's go, baby. Florida State's a wreck right now. They're possibly, I mean, I guess you could say Kansas is the worst team. Maybe Vanderbilt. But they're in a tough place. Hey, Vanderbilt put up twelve points against an Aggie team that's I, I they agree did. as well. Vanderbilt is a better team than Florida State. <laughs> Maybe they are, <laughs> but either way, this tw- Florida State being uh, favored by twenty-six and a half over a high school team, I think I'd still take the high school team. They're in such a bad place, and I think that Mike Norvell has what it takes to get them turned around. But they are nowhere close right now. It's going to take at least another year. And for my last pick, I'm taking. Baylor minus three versus West Virginia. This all comes down to, I really respect Baylor this year. I like Dave Aranda. I think when you look at, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, all the LSU lost, people only talk about Joe Burrows and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the defensive players. But when they lost in Joe Brady and Dave Aranda, I think is much more terrible for their program. I think Dave Aranda is a great coach. I think... One of the better defensive coordinators in the country. And now that he has his chance at head coach, I think he'll have Baylor playing good defense. Having a very measured offense, it's going to uh, move the ball and play ball control. And it's going to be such a shock to these other teams in the Big 12. Like Henry saying, they have some pretty flashy offenses, but defenses that can't match up. So I'm, I'm giving this one fully on Dave Aranda. I think Baylor minus three is a smart pick here. All right,
2: so for my first pick, I am not even going to apologize to Jackson this week because free money is free money. I took uh, Virginia last week on a ridiculous five-point spread against Duke, and it paid off, obviously, because Duke is puke. That's a fact. Virginia Tech is minus 10.5 against Duke this week, and Virginia Tech is actually a good team. Uh, Virginia Tech is coming off of a blowout versus a decent NC State team. Quincy Patterson might get the start this week. Only had six passes through two touchdowns and also rushed for one. But the thing I like about Virginia Tech is that they run the ball, and you run the ball for wins. They run by committee. Khalil Herbert's their lead back, and he had a good 100-yard game. I like Virginia Tech. Duke is terrible. Uh, So for my next pick, I am going to go with the – Biggest overreaction in college football, which is obviously putting Oklahoma at minus seven against Iowa State. I'm not saying that Iowa State is a bad team, but I agree with Brendan. The line is ridiculous. They really jumped to a conclusion here. Lincoln Riley's not losing two in a row. Spencer Rattler showed why he's a good quarterback. Even though he played bad last week, he still threw four touchdowns. And even though Oklahoma's defense can't tackle worth squat, I still think they're going to beat Iowa State by more than seven points. That's ridiculous. For my last pick, I am taking the Cox and not the South Carolina Game Cox. I am taking the Jacksonville State Game Cox at plus 26 and a half against Florida State, also known as the football team sucks university. Okay? Florida State is a bad team. Florida State could get beat by a team fielded with walk ons from Waffle House. They are terrible. I'd like to apologize to Derek McClendon, a buddy of mine who plays for Florida State, but they're a terrible team. And for crying out loud, Florida State lost to Geoff and his Jackets, who went to Syracuse and got absolutely annihilated by the Orange, which is not a real team mascot. That's a color. That's easy money. I will take the Cox all day, baby. Let's go. All right, that wraps up that third segment of the
1: Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast brought to you by the Bulldog Inquirer. Thank you, everybody that's listened so far. But we got one more segment to go. We're based out of Athens, Georgia. We're all University of Georgia students. Let's go ahead and talk about the dogs in this last half. Come back. See us right after the break. Back with the last segment of the Rushmore Sports Betting podcast. Alongside me right now is Jackson Dyer and Henry Dombrowski. I am Brennan Kerner, and you're about to listen to some Georgia football hate. I mean I'm in talk. Cause let's get let's get straight to the facts. Georgia did not play well against an Arkansas Razorback team that hasn't won a conference game in a year and a half, two years. They haven't won an SEC game in a while. And Especially in the first half, Georgia looked god awful. Dwan Mathis, I- I'm not even going. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. You played like, yeah, I'm not even going to say it, but you played bad. Eight for 17. His longest reception, his longest pass was 12 yards. His completion percentage under 50 percent, and he threw a pick that was very, very bad. He missed a slant route by maybe the length of the whole football field. It was so poorly thrown. And then the savior, the 5'10", white kid that transferred from Georgia to a back to Georgia had to come save the Bulldogs' ass. He threw 29 passes, completed 20 of them, and threw for 211 yards. Now, granted, that's not a bad stat line, seeing as how he also threw for two touchdowns. But Stetson Bennett cannot be the guy that Georgia goes to. If they want to win the big games, and they got a big game coming up this week against the Auburn Tigers, uh, are y'all worried about that game a little bit? Especially seeing the performance and seeing how uneasy that the offense looked, out of out of sync they looked. Or are we confident that now that JT Daniels is cleared to play, we might see a third quarterback get some playing time for the Georgia Bulldogs? I'm gonna go ahead and start it off with Jackson Dyer. What you think? I'm not worried at all.
0: I think there's cause to be worried. For some games up ahead, Auburn does not worry me. We always beat Auburn. The only times we've lost has been in 2013 with that tipped pass, and 2017 when we just didn't show up, and then 2010 with Cam Newton. Every other year, we pretty much beat them. We beat them in the SEC Championship, and we saw them again. Every year in Athens, no matter who's good and who's bad, we pretty much end up beating Auburn. I also don't think that, as bad as Georgia looked in the first half, that it was any cause or concern next week against Auburn because Auburn looked pretty bad in the first half also against Kentucky. They should have been down 14 to eight. The call would have gone a different way. And the refs just blatantly missed a touchdown call. The guy was half a yard in the end zone. They should have been down 14 eight. Either way, eight is not that much more than five. So if you're worried about their offense scoring in Kentucky, how are they going to be able to score against Georgia? So I think we will see a little bit of JT Daniel, but I think honestly that if Stetson plays about like he did last week, and we're able to run the ball the way the defense is playing. I think you can beat Auburn with that. Yeah, that's the one thing to note for the Georgia Bulldog team.
1: Their defense is absolutely loaded. Nakobe Dean had seven tackles. He led the team with seven tackles, and he's going to be a—he's a younger guy already, and he's going to come in and be one of those leaders in the front seven of for the Bulldogs. And Richard LeCount, the senior defensive back safety, ended with two picks. And one of them was a nice little one-handed snag. Uh, he he played like he should. Uh, what's expected of him is just that every game. I mean, maybe not two interceptions, but he he. Other than the first little mishap in the first quarter, Richard Lecaval played a solid ball game, and so did the rest of the defensive backs. Henry, I'm gonna slide it over to you. We got. The quarterback situation, a good defense, and some unexperienced running backs. So is this concern for the Georgia Bulldogs?
2: Brittany? I'm nervous. You should see your couch right now because I'm sweating. Bo Nix played well last week. I'll grant you he had a bad completion percentage, and they got a few gifts in the game, but he still threw three touchdowns. Auburn showed they were a decent football team against a decent opponent. We look like an absolutely horrible team against a bad football team. Arkansas stinks like Sam Pittman's pits. They're bad. There's no question about that. And there is no excuse to come out as the number three ranked team in the country and be down by two points at half to an absolutely awful team. The quarterback situation is a mess. Todd Munkin's offense looked bad. The offensive line was incredibly spotty. I'll grant you that the defense did their job, and I knew that would happen. But the defense isn't playing Arkansas this week. And the offense is going to have to score more points to beat Auburn. I think that the quarterback situation, unless it gets figured out and JT Daniels comes in and balls, could be a real concern this early in the season playing Auburn. Yeah, the thing about this season, it's a little
1: weird. We only have 10 games instead of the regular 12, and we're not playing any out-of-conference games. It's all SEC play for the Georgia Bulldogs, and they do not have a lot of time to figure things out. Going into the second game of the season, they're playing the seventh best team in the nation right now, and that may just be because other teams aren't playing, other conferences were late to the party, but you got to admit Auburn is not a pushover team like Arkansas was, and we got to give Arkansas some credit. Especially in the first half, their defense played outstandingly well against a team, a Georgia team that granted Georgia has some questions and has some issues. But Georgia's issues should not look that bad against a Razorback team that hasn't won an SEC game in however many years. So I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm not too worried just because Georgia does, like Jackson Dyer said, know how to beat the Auburn Tigers um we've had their number for a couple years now um if not longer but what concerns me the most I think would be the running back situation actually uh because we have a lot of guys to choose from in the quarterback room um a little concerned that we didn't see Carson Beck at all in the game against Arkansas but maybe there's some more behind the scenes action that's going on right there is which is why he didn't play but I I was kind of surprised we didn't see him at all but Our lead rusher was Zamir White with 71 yards. He had a good game. But after that, James Cook was our second leading rusher with 26 yards, and that's just not going to cut it. The team as a whole, including the two quarterbacks that ran and the five running backs that got touches, we only combined for 121 yards on 42 carries. That is less than three yards per carry. And Georgia, historically known for their running uh, performances – did not look that great with running. And when you have a mediocre quarterback in Stetson Bennett only completing enough for 211 yards and three quarters of play, we are going to need some more uh, superstar power on that offensive side of the ball to get things done. Jackson Dyer, from the offensive line specifically, did you see any things that uh, would cause cause worry? Uh, Should we switch up? some of the placements of guys or do you think that Matt Luke coming over from Ole Miss and now being an offensive line coach, is he going to have him ready right against a good to somewhat great Auburn defense? They're not as good as they were in the past, but Auburn's defense has been historically good, just like the University of Georgia's. So offensive line, are we looking a little worried for that, Jackson Dyer?
0: I'm not really worried about that either. Most of the, the things you should be worried about with this team, I think every aspect of quarterbacks uh, the run game the offensive line most of it this you have to understand this year is so much different than any other year Um, there was limited spring there was limited summer access to what you could do and people were at home for the longest time and then you come back and you're only working out and just it's the whole thing was a mess and you didn't get the also the cupcake game that most teams are accustomed to playing the first week to get everything figured out you just you got thrown to the fire immediately and I know it's Arkansas but there's still a, a FBS team there's still an SEC team and I think another thing people aren't talking about is Sam Pittman knows this team more than a lot of teams I would I would bargain most teams you you come against they kind of know what George's going to do but Sam Pittman's been with this team for 3 years he knows how they game plan he knows how they're going to attack this week and how they're going to go into it and I think that matters too and I think that is part of the reason for such a slow uh, start. I do think you are correct and the offensive line was tough. And I think that was why in the first half, you, we, we couldn't really run the ball. Uh, when Dwan Mathis was in there at the beginning, you know, he looked okay for a little bit. He was just having to run all over the place. He had no time. But I do think this. there's so much talent in this offensive line and people have gone on and on about how good M- Matt Luke is as a coach and how as a recruiter also Uh, He was at Duke for a little bit before going to Ole Miss and they couldn't get enough about how good he is. So I think this team is very young still with all the offensive linemen. They obviously lost a lot to the NFL. Three guys, two that are already making a a difference. Andrew Thomas and Solomon Kinley are both playing great. They're going to find a way to get the five best offensive linemen in there. And we kind of know to some extent, I think Justin Schaefer and Salier both played really well, but there's some questions at center and the right side of the line. And the the more weeks that go by, they're going to find the five best players and they're going to play them. We've been pretty pessimistic so far about the Georgia Bulldogs, but there were some bright spots,
1: obviously. Uh, Kirby may disagree uh, because after the game, he said he wasn't too impressed with the special teams, but for most viewers, the special teams looked very good this week. Uh, Jake Camarda had a very good day punting the ball. I think he had three inside the 10, maybe even the five-yard line, stopping him on a dime, which was good. Uh, The kicker situation after Rodrigo Blankenship left the squad was up for grabs, and Jack Podlesny was the guy that stepped up for it. He was three for three on the extra points, and he was two for two on the field goals with his longest coming at 38 yards. He hadn't been tested from range yet, but – he did what he needed to do, and he was accurate in that aspect. Another positive uh, aspect of the game is, even though the quarterback situation's a little uh, a little dicey, the wide receiver room looked pretty good. It was distributed uh, well across the board. Kiaris Jackson was actually the the leading receiver with six receptions, sixty two yards. Um, and George Pickens did what we we expect him to do catching the ball around the ten to fifteen yard line, making a making a guy miss, and scoring a touchdown. So our wide receiver room looks good, and I think the biggest one-player aspect of the of the team that wasn't utilized probably the most that could uh, definitely benefit the Bulldogs' offense in the future is Darnell Washington. And we, you might have seen a clip of him uh, that's got been going viral right now. has Bar- posted it. a bunch of UGA insiders have posted it, but absolutely chucking off a defensive end with one arm and putting him on his ass. Pretty impressive. The dude's 6'8, 250, 260. He's just an absolute unit. And he can definitely be used more than one reception for 26 yards. Uh, Henry, Henry Dombrowski, what were we thinking some positives were other than ob- the obvious defensive play of the Georgia Bulldogs?
2: I was actually gonna rebuttal you on the receiving room rather than uh come up with another positive. But uh If you want a positive, I'd like to give it to Nolan Smith. Sorry to go back to the defensive end of the ball, but Nolan Smith, I was hoping he would develop. He had one and a half sacks, three tackles. I think pressure is going to be big for the Georgia Bulldogs if they get to that next level as a defense. And he played phenomenally. And if he can continue to do so and put pressure on the quarterback, we will be in business. As I was saying earlier about the wide receiver room, however, I think that's something we need to figure out. I think Kiaris Jackson emerging is exciting and possibly looking at who our number two wide receiver is going to be this year. But I think that George Pickens was disappointing, only had 47 yards. Yes, he had the touchdown. But if we're going to win, we need weapons of wide receiver and we need those guys to show out. So I'm excited about Kiaris Jackson, disappointed in Pickens mixed messages
0: from the receiving room. But we'll see what happens this week. I was actually, the other way, I, I think we didn't throw the ball with for only about 200 yards from Stetson Bennett. I like what I saw offensive movement-wise of Todd Munkin this week. Uh, for so many years, we've had some pretty good tight ends that just, I feel, were underutilized. And this year, we already started out with Fitzpatrick. And like we were saying with Darnell Washington, he had a nice catch. Fitzpatrick got a touchdown. They they did more to utilize tight ends, it seems, even with the limited passing And we threw more slants, which I think is going to go very well, which, again, was not really part of our offense, despite most people wondering why it wasn't. So that has me hopeful for the future, that these two things can really help the offense. The up-tempo is pretty good if you can manage it, which I think we'll settle into. So from that standpoint, I really like the way the offense is run. Yeah, I'll go ahead and piggyback off of Jackson Dyer's statement. The offense looked
1: more fluid. Now, it may have been out of sync, but we were spreading the – spreading the field out more, spreading our guys out more, and the ball is being moved around more. I think almost every wide receiver that was in the starting five or six got at least a touch or two. Um, in during the game, even the running backs got balls out the backfield, and even the third-string tight end had a reception for 12 yards. So I think we are going to be maybe not – potent at the, uh, the wide receiver position, but we're very balanced and we're very deep this year with young guys that can definitely make plays when they need to make plays. So I'm going to go ahead and end on that positive note, but going back to the negative, we talked about this last week in the podcast. We, uh, here at the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast Room, we discussed where Georgia would end up at the end of the season, and I was the only guy that said they wouldn't even make it to the SEC Championship because I was concerned about the quarterback situation. That was absolutely proven to be correct last week against Arkansas. uh, If Stetson Bennett's going to be your guy, yes, he's going to win you the games you need to win, but he's not going to beat the good teams that you need to have great performances to beat. I think that they still end up slipping to Florida when it comes time at this moment in time. And I do not think we still get to the, I, I don't think we are the SEC East champs for the fourth time in a row this year. Jackson, Dyer, Henry, Dombrowski, we got any rebuttals for that or are we going to, because y'all both said that Georgia was going to be in the playoffs, whether they were a one loss SEC championship team or a two loss runner up, or you said they were still going to make the playoffs, so I don't think that's going to happen as of right now. What do we need to see change
2: in the quarterback room and what do y'all think the uh, projection for the Bulldogs is right now? One, the Florida Gators, I think, were really overhyped after their first week win Yes. Kyle Trask played absolutely stellar through six touchdowns, but he was playing against Ole Miss. I get that people are buying Lane Kiven's offense, but he hasn't had much time to set things up and to get things going. I think that Ole Miss was a bad football team, and they still scored 35 points on the Florida Gators. Florida's going to have a bad defense. If we can win this week at Auburn, win at Florida, we'll be in the SEC Championship And we will have a shot to make the playoffs. The other thing is that the late start for the Big Ten means that a one-loss Big Ten team probably won't get in over us, which I think is another reason that we have a really good shot to make the playoffs. We're just going to have to see how outside things shake out and see if we can figure out the quarterback situation. But as, as much as I'm panicking about this week, I still think there's reason for hope down the road. I just think there might be a little period of adjustment at the beginning of the season.
0: I kind of agree also. I I think if you look in the media this week, a lot of people looked at Florida's performance and beat their chest and said, I told you so. But I think that they give 600 yards of defensively to Ole Miss, and that's not very good at all. And I think that's – I don't know why it's not being discussed how much of a problem that is, like the way Georgia's offense is being discussed, because both of those are glaring problems, especially when they're playing each other and they're almost polar opposites when you look at it. But Georgia has this – what could be historically a great defense – and Florida goes up and throws or puts up 51 points. I also think that that was a little bit of an overreaction because I think Kyle Pitts was just a matchup problem that Ole Miss couldn't stop because he had, th- well, he had three or four touchdowns. He was just unstoppable. And I think Georgia's, he, he might can catch a touchdown or two against Georgia, but he's not going to be able to run like that against Georgia. So I think that was a little bit of an overreaction. I still think they're a good team. Florida is. And I think it'll come down to that week in Jacksonville. Because I don't know, Georgia might lose to Alabama. I don't think that game really matters as much, especially with the way the quarterback situation is going. I think if Georgia can lose one game that's not to Florida, I think they can still make the SEC. And at this point, they're just biding time until the quarterback situation is fixed. And they don't play Florida until November 7th. And I think they can get by for the most part until then, except for maybe Alabama. Yeah, big back off of what Henry said
1: about the other conferences slipping up and other conferences joining late, I think that makes the Florida Georgia game the most important by far on the schedule. If they lose that game, they have absolutely zero shot of making the SEC playoffs because I can't. I mean, I just can't see a one-loss team that potentially two losses because if we lose to Alabama that don't go to the SEC championship at all, there's no way we get in. We have to beat Florida, and right now I would say Florida is more established and it look like they have more of an identity um, than the Georgia Bulldogs do. Yes, Ole Miss has an awful defense. Yes, some people may think the Ole Miss offense hype is not real. I personally buy it. I think Lake Kevin is a great offensive mind. And on a Florida defense that's supposed to be relatively good, Ole Miss I feel like did a very good job. Matt Corral threw for three touchdowns in that game with a two quarterback system being played in some of that game with uh, Reese Plumlee out there at wide receiver or as the running quarterback. I just I think it's it's too early in the season right now to say that the Georgia Bulldogs have the SEC East on lock. And I just I feel like it's too early. I I feel like they. Just haven't figured out who they are yet. And we'll we'll definitely have some after the Alabama game, week four, in Tuscaloosa, we will definitely have a clearer picture on the Bulldogs' future, especially if they win that game. But if not, you know, it's gonna be a tough road for the Bulldogs. And seeing as how they're usually favored SEC East by a lot. They're not this year. Florida is looking pretty good. I'm not a I'm not a Florida bandwagon either, but they're looking pretty solid. And I even though Kyle Pitts was a matchup problem for Ole Miss, I think he's a matchup problem against any team he plays because everybody is just smaller than him. So I think it will be interesting to see uh, how the season plays out, how the quarterback situation plays out. But we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here on the Rushmore Sports Betting Podcast. Brought to you by the Bulldog Inquirer. If you stayed this long through the 57 minutes we've been aired, uh, I really appreciate it. Go ahead and share it with your friends. Share it with your parents. Share it with your creepy uncle. Go ahead and just share that thing. We're trying to blow up Henry Dombrowski, great commentary. Jackson Dyer, solid as always. Rushmore Sports Betting crew is leaving right now. Everybody have a blessed night.
2: You can call me Mystic, Mike because I predict these things.